Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, and now I'm living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Bebe. Yes. Hi, this is Bebe from Beijing also. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We're going to talk about global climate change Mm. because it affects everyone and recently i was on msn website Mm. and on their website they have you know how you click there's news and then there's local and there's national and there's world Mm. they have a new column now that is just for climate change wow and so i I clicked on it and i was just overwhelmed yeah there was each day there must be a hundred new articles about some new fire or flood or something that scientists are relating to climate change Mm. so it's not just that climate change has finally arrived we're knee deep in it and literally some people are literally mm. knee deep in floods and things now yeah i think recently there um there's been an earthquake in Papua new guinea Mm-mm. did i say that right you did yeah and it was like a 7.6 oh wow that's there's a measurement for that richter scale right? richter scale how bad it's it been is. a while since i've been in california where we have to have that memorized oh because it's on a belt like a yeah there belt. there are constant little tiny earthquakes periodic like every few days even mm. you have a very very tiny one some uh mm. my parents uh their home is near yosemite it's about it's less than nice. an hour drive yeah mm. but now there's a massive fire that may is threatening to engulf Yosemite National Park because there is a huge fire that is growing and mm. ravaging the area. Mm. And California usually has a fire season. That is true. Mm-hmm. Every year in July and August, there's a fire season in California. Mm. But it is not July anymore. Mm. And it's not August anymore. And we are still in California fire season. We're all over Northern California and the Sierra Nevada mountains. New wildfires continue to grow and spread. And this is un- this is unusual. Mm. We've gotten to the point where at least this year, I'm personally as a Californian noticing the fire season has grown longer. Mm. And California was dealing with temperatures of 118 degrees and 126 degrees Fahrenheit in Death Valley, which is a record for Death Valley. And Death Valley is one of the hottest places on the planet. Already. So, yeah. yeah. So now California is dealing with record drought record uh wildfires it is where i'm from where the place that i grew up is definitely seeing the effects of climate change so like when you talk to your mom do you guys talk about this? yeah yeah i i ask i periodically ask her how things are going is she safe are there mm. fire she personally is not living near a place where there is a wildfire mm. issue right now so hopefully you know where she's living is safe right um, but you know, you, she lives in what we call the, uh, like the, the rolling Hills before you get to the mountains. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not really a farmland as much. And it's also not the mountains as much. It's kind of in between. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of cows there. What's good about that is like all the cows eat up all the dry grass and stuff. Ah, right. Yeah. Hey, that could be a way of creating this what do you call like a safety belt yeah 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 um i don't know if people like uh, other places use this Mm. but i guess i don't know cows on farms they have to she lives straight in the middle of cow 
land mm. in California. If California had a place where there were cows, that's where, right where my mom lives. Uh, I remember in the past, you know, you hear about this, you hear about this once in a while, but this year it seems like. Yeah, out of the last 20 years, just year on year, we keep breaking record, breaking record, breaking records, breaking records. There's something wrong mm-hmm. when each and every single year beat the records of the previous year. It is it is showing a trend towards dramatic weather pattern changes. One of the um, interesting facts about climate change, I mean, not interesting in a good way, mm. uh, 20 of the warmest years mm. on record. Another thing we have record for at least mm. 100 years have occurred in the last mm-hmm. 22 years. So 20 warmest years, mm. hottest years occurred in the past 22. That would say something, right? And the the world's five mm. warmest years have all occurred since 2015, with nine of the 10 warmest years mm. occurring since 2005. Yeah. So oof, I, I don't know. Um, it's not just wow. like, you know, getting a little hotter and you can turn the air conditioning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. down a bit. Um, so many other things happen, right? Droughts. We hear of droughts and mm-hmm, food mm-hmm, issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, yeah. in the past few years with the pandemic and all, um, you hear about food shortages. In, in the past, I mean, you don't hear about food shortages, you know, like mm-hmm. not on your local news. Yeah. But nowadays it's like you hear food shortages, the possibility of it, like all over the place, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other day uh, I saw this video of uh, the desert, a desert being flooded. Yeah. And there were like camels walking in flood water. And a lot of people don't don't know what's going on. And they were like, oh, it's getting uh, wetter, right? We're getting more water. But I think it's just the ice melting from um, like the colder mountains, uh, Mm. snow mountains. That's not a good sign. It doesn't mean the desert is coming, like returning to an oasis because of a good reason. So at the same time, when other other places are experiencing droughts, where they shouldn't be, um, you know, deserts getting flooded from the water and melted from snow mountains. Well, you know, I read an article about <sighs> something very similar to that in California, because right now mm. California has been experiencing on and off drought situations for the last 20 years, but they've been very bad for the last five years. Mm. And even uh, NASA, the National Aeronautics and Space Agency, has said the entire West Midwest of the United States is probably going to have a major drought, at least until 2050. Um, But what this creates for California is a problem with flooding. Now, Mm. that sounds strange. Mm. There's droughts and flooding, just like you said. And one of the strange things about this is the ground becomes so dry Mm. that it actually doesn't absorb water as easily as damp, moist soil. It comes becomes more compacted. And oh. so when when there is a flood or when there is excess water that comes into the system really quickly, mm. instead of sinking into the soil, it rushes over the soil and creates flooding. You know what? That makes sense to me. I, I, I think I know what you're talking about because the dirt on the ground gets so mm. packed together. It's as if like, yeah. you know, you've pounded it together. Um, it's hard for it to absorb water. Yeah, that yeah. that makes sense, right? It, I mean, the water would go down the cracks. You know, you've seen la- uh, pictures of places with drought where the land literally has cracks all over. Yeah, you know, as, as we said, like the back of a turtle. Hmm. Um, some water will fall in there, but the other, like the dirt, gets so packed. I I I did not. Yeah, that's that's something new to me. Isn't that terrible? Like you need water the most, and then it just it is terrible. Yeah. And you know, speaking of. Dr- 
Speaking of drought, so this is a, an article, Yahoo.com. The title of the article, Europe is in its worst drought in 500 years, study finds. So, you know, people, I think there are people who talk about how the Earth goes through phases and they always like say, oh, yeah, well, the Earth has had ice ages and the Earth has had dry spells. Well, what they it didn't happen in the period of 20 to 50 years. Right. So you th- what they're talking about, those things occurred over five or 10,000 year period. Mm. We're causing this to happen in, you know, to less than 10 percent of that amount of time. When they said that, you know, it's happened before. Right. But you were not there when it happened. Um, I wouldn't want to go through an ice age, <laughs> yeah. right? I don't want to go through droughts, periods of droughts where everything just mm. heats up. But I don't want to go to the other extreme yeah. either. Um, and that that's maybe that's, you know, it's the Earth's cycle or patterns, but it's not mm. ours. And we are finding a way for us, for this species and other species that, you know, we live we live with mm. um, to stay on the planet for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, I would like the, <laughs> the Earth's environment to ideally approach and maintain itself around a system that is conducive to human life being able to live there for a long, healthy amount of time. And anyone anyone who's just like brushing it off is like, oh, this kind of stuff happens mm. is not part of the making things better and the thing is now in the past when people think about this you know they say oh year uh, 20 something something it sounded far off mm. but for this for us our generation it's like close up now mm. we are looking at it at its face I, I found something here it would i think it says 50 mind-blowing facts about climate mm-hmm. change and it says that it could become too hot to live in many places by the end of the century mm. And this may be the most catastrophic of our climate change facts. And as of now, only 0.8% of the planet's land surfaces has mean, has mean annual temperatures above 29 Celsius. Mm-hmm. So that's like in the Sahara Desert, mm. um, Saudi Arabia. So not that big of an area. But then a, a study called Future of the Human Niche found that by 2070, under a high emissions scenario, these unbearable temperatures could expand to affect up to 3 billion people. Mm. And when people hear 29 degrees, I mean, it sounds tolerable, right? Mm. I mean, that I'm okay if yeah. it's 29 degrees all year round. Little, It's a little warm. Not but that bad. the thing is, that's the mean annual temperature. So it means that it can mean that in the wintertime, it goes down to minus 15 mm. Celsius. But in the summertime, it goes over 50 Celsius degrees. It's not telling you it's going to be 29 degrees all year round. Right. That will actually be pretty nice, right? Mm -hmm. It's the average, the mean annual temperature. So it's by that time, it's like the whole planet will be, what, as hot as the Sahara Desert. Wow. And we're not going to be. That does not sound pleasant. We're not going to like it. (laughs) You're listening to The Bridge. to talk about my grandparents' personal experience in the United States. So all four of my grandparents, my mother's parents and my father's parents, are from Oklahoma. Mm. And when they lived there, we're talking about pre-World War II, 20s and 30s, that when they lived there and they were young boys and girls, Oklahoma was going through a period called the Great Dust Bowl. Oh, 
I've read about it. Yeah, mm. the, the Grapes of Wrath is a yeah. book and a movie, a couple of movies about this period of time. And what mm. happened was, so before I finish telling the story, I want to just mention, oh, some people say, oh, things are not human made. This is not because of human activity. So this is what the reason I bring up the Dust Bowl. So what happened were all of these new migrants from Europe came and settled the Oklahoma, Kansas area and northern Texas area. And what the first thing they did was they cleared the trees. Mm. When they cleared the trees, they did it for farmland. So they created rotating uh. crop plans so that they could produce wealth for themselves, food for their families, mm. and export some of that to markets so that they could, you know, mm. start to grow their, uh, you know, their their personal wealth and succeed in this part of the world. Right. But what they didn't realize is suddenly hundreds of thousands of people clearing on entire forests might not be the best plan for the area, the climate, the larger climate. Mm. And what happened was there were no wind breaks in a place that already, to even today, has tornadoes and is windswept. And so this started wind sweeping the soil more deeply each year until the soil just became like sandy. Mm. And it got became so bad that in Washington, D.C., they were having overcast days of brown soot and oh. and dust coming from Oklahoma. I mean, from, th- you know, a thousand, two thousand miles away, mm. you know, making like, you know how when there's a standstorm in Mongolia, sometimes you, the Beijing yeah. sky becomes a little yellow. Mm. That was happening in Washington, D.C. because of the area in Kansas and Oklahoma. So what happened were a few consequences. A lot of people lost their ability to farm. So they migrated to California. Mm. Hence my, my mom and dad meeting in California and me. Mm. Um, but what also happened were efforts were made to put trees back in. Good. Fast growing trees like eucalyptus that can grow really, really quickly. And, you know, now today this is no longer a problem because it took a few decades mm. to get these windbreaks back up, these natural windbreaks mm. in between plots of farmland and, and so that the wind would not tear the soil to bits. Mm. So that's the reason I tell this story. Another part of that is... That, you know, today, Oklahoma, I bring this up again, is starting to reach temperatures of 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. For those people in like, you know, Los Angeles, they're like, oh, that's like one or two of the hottest days in Los Angeles a year. But yeah, this didn't used to happen there. Mm. This is new. This is a new thing that temperatures are getting to 115 degrees Fahrenheit in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So all of our all of our fans who are living in that area know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. And they know that this temperature is abnormal unnatural mm. yeah but this is not and right when we feel like it's too hot for us the other species including plants and animals mm. you know they're not gonna like it either um and there are lo- so many more species are more even more fragile than us mm. um like the story about your grandparents did they tell you about that part of history or oh yeah absolutely personally? my grandma used to tell me about how the dust would settle on plates and bowls and they'd have to uh-huh. take the bowls after they were washed and put them upside down on the tables right. so that oh the bowls gosh. wouldn't fill up with 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 dust before dinner and stuff this is straight out of the a book that i read a long time ago have you read the book out of the dust. No, no. By H- Karen Hess Hesse. Well, the last name is H E S S E. I'm not too sure how to pronounce it, and it's um a Newberry mm. Medal winner, like the gold Newberry Medal winner. And I read it many years ago. I actually have this on my bookcase, mm. and I was so saddened while I was reading it because I remember a part where the parents. This, it talks about a little girl, and she's very talented at playing the piano. But anyway, so. 
um, it talks about how his parents were trying; they were farmers and they were trying to grow crops, but there was no rain.、Mm. And finally, when there was rain, something like、mm. it was so bad that you washed things away. And then the next year, they waited for be- better weather,、mm. and it turned out to be more dust. It's been it's been many years since I read it, but it was just、um, mm. I remember the sadness welling inside me because of the frustration year after year. Like things were just not getting better, and he talked. I think it was in this book that they talked about how they have to cover things up because、mm-hmm. of all the dust, and just as you said, they have to like put the plate or the、mm-hmm. bowl upside down so that it wouldn't be covered、um, with dust. Oh gosh,、uh, yeah. I think you, if you haven't read it, I think you'll love this book.、Mm. And it's written in not in prose like you know normal novels.、Mm-hmm. It's almost like poetry,、mm. um, but it carries the message really, really well, and that sense of desperation. And actually, Grapes of Wrath was like my favorite book back in high school. That sense of desperation really sinks in in that book.、Too. Actually, I like the the Grapes of Wrath because the end of the story is essentially the main characters、mm. realizing that they need to fight for workers' rights,、mm. and that's something that I think is a positive thing. Yeah, workers stand up for themselves and hey, pay us appropriately. And I remember、that's- myself crying at the end of that book. I, it was it was for high school. I was required reading,、mm. and as I remember that day, I was sitting there, finished the last page. I was literally like tears streaming down my face, and I closed the book and just cried and just let it out.、Oh, wow! Yeah, it was because all it was all accumulating, you know, up till that point. It was a very touching. Have、thing. you read other giants, John Steinbeck books? Because the, actually, that's not one of his m- more famous. That that what's surprising is I think of mice and men、mm. is his most famous work, which is about two friends who are moving around on farmland.、Mm, I. Don't remember. I probably have the book. I probably haven't read it though. The grapes, of, grapes of wrath was、uh, part of high school curriculum. So、mm-hmm. yeah, that's how I was introduced to it, and I really like it. I think I had to read both of those in American high school. Yeah, probably. But yeah, for people who um、uh, are not familiar with Out of the Dust, I recommend、mm. it. It's very.、Whew. Let's get some more bad news. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This is、uh, CNN. It's uh from August twenty sixth, and it says. Of the, this year, twenty twenty two, dangerous heat waves to at least triple across the world by twenty one hundred. So, a seventy eight years from now, I want to say,、uh. yeah, yeah, seventy eight years from now, we'll have three times as many heat waves as we're experiencing now. So, this summer has been the summer、mm. of heat waves, as far as my entire my forty some odd、mm. year life has gone by. This this has been the Worst series of heat waves of my lifetime,、mm. and now they're saying that we're going to have triple that by twenty one hundred. I'm really scared for how we're going to produce、mm. food, and you know, actually, I'm actually less worried about food as、mm. I am about water. You know, like if droughts are just starting. I mean, really, just starting. What is going to happen?、Mm. You know, in a hundred years, how are we, because desalination, as much as people wish that was a solution, is not a real solution. The what solution? The salient. Desalination are these plants.、Oh, a lot of people who don't understand the science always say, "Well, we'll just create des- desalination plants." And unfortunately, the reality is those things destroy the environment in new and different ways. Also,、oh. what they do is they create this super concentrated brine. Byproduct、mm. from the super salty water that's separated out from the clean water, and、mm. that's pumped back into the ocean and destroys the ecosystem around that area. It has to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So, desalination is not what we need to do. Is protect the、mm. environment we have. Okay. 
Well, at least scientists um, are working on ways and also a lot of countries are implementing like the methods, I don't know, like using alternative mm -hmm. powers. So hopefully, I don't know if it's too late. I'm not too optimistic when it comes to this. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. couple different things we need to do everyone everywhere in every country eventually is uh mm. firstly we need to stop putting co2 into the atmosphere and then once we have finally or actually during the period in which we are reducing the amount that we are putting out mm. we need to start reabsorbing some of the co2 that is in the atmosphere back out and so trees. you asked for yeah. exactly you asked for positive news i have a new resource that i just got a couple days ago mm. and it's 30 years of deforestation and forest growth according to the world's changing forecasts i think i got this from visualcapitalist.com mm. and there are are some places around the world that are regrowing or growing new forests. Mm -hmm. So the United States has increased its total forest coverage over the last 30 years by 2.4%. That means it, oh. it added to its total forest cover by 2.4%. Mm -hmm. um, some other countries that did positively, Algeria added 16.9% more forest coverage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of European countries, notably Spain, added 336 France added 19.5. The Republic of Ireland, 69.3% increase in forest cover. Mm. And in India increased by 12.9% and Iran increased by 18.5%. And I actually, one of the, the best ones is Vietnam, 56.2%, mm. very similar to Republic of wow. Ireland. But, you know, China increased by 40%. Now, that doesn't sound as much as Ireland, but you have to remember China is much big. bigger than the Republic of Ireland. Right. Yeah. It's huge. Mm. So actually, it's China Lee, quote, mm. China leads in forest growth by land area, having increased their forests by almost 243,000 square miles. Mm. So there are positives. I think countries are starting to recognize the value of nature and trees can do carbon capture a lot better than the technologies that we're using right now that are man-made. Um, I was just watching, I mentioned this documentary, Climate Change Dash The Facts, mm. and it has two parts. And I think it's in the second part. A scientist was talking about, I think he was a scientist or maybe he works for other things, but he keeps track of uh, forest areas around the mm, world. Mm, and over mm. the years, he said, you can see forest disappearing one chunk at a time as if it's like a disease, mm. like a skin disease. Mm. Um, on the earth. And um, it's very startling. And, and the effects, of course, you know, we're feeling it right now by cutting down all those trees. Hopefully it's not too late to start, you know, planting them anew. And, you know, back in the days, like when you were talking, when your parents were telling you about the Dust Bowl, like how long did it take for people to figure out mm -hmm. that's the reason? Because when, I guess when they were doing it, they probably did not know the effects Mm. it would have on the environment, right? Mm. Uh, how long did, did they tell you how long it took? No, I'm sorry. My grandparents people. were not the kind of people who re read uh, scientific magazines and mm. things. But it happened um, like in a decade or two that people realized he got a... It started getting like really bad in the 1920s and 30s, but then it was mostly beginning to be corrected by the 1950s and 60s. And today mm. it hardly exists at all because of all of the uh, effort to 
rebuild the ecosystem. In my mind, what I'm really scared of mm-hmm. from climate change, it's viruses. Mm-hmm. Because of all the ice melting oh. and all the virus, we've just seen a few terrible ones, right? Yeah. Can you imagine how much more uh, is trapped in those ice that are in, they're supposed to stay trapped <laughs> in the ice? I mean, suppose as mm-hmm. in for human beings. Um, and once those ice melt, that's gonna they all they're gonna be unleashed upon us. Mm. And look what we need to do to battle one mm-hmm. virus, yeah, one new virus, and imagine them coming upon us, you know, uh, by the dozen. Oh, I can't even imagine. Maybe people. I mean, nobody wants to suffer, but if things like this keeps happening, our the quality of our lives is not going to be that great. I, I want to add to your uh, philosophical analysis a little bit, because mm. I oftentimes think as I was growing up, when I was a young person, I was being told about ancient history, you know, the pyramids and uh, Greece and Rome and a little bit about Chinese history, too, in the West. And so I was learning about, you know, the origins of our mm. of our path, human path to civilization and where we are now. Mm. And I've accepted, like mm. everyone eventually has to, that I will one day leave this world. Right. But you know, it I think it's much more dramatic, much scarier for the idea that our civilization is going to go away. Mm. Like I if I die as an old man and I see my grandchildren or whatever mm. moving on or even even if I don't have children, if I see that humanity is marching forward, I will still have like hope for us. Mm. Why we have Plato? Why did we have Confucius? It was all just a dream almost. It's like why we had this big shot at moving mm. forward as a people and then we blew it because we wanted air conditioning. It's just Well, maybe the dinosaurs <laughs> felt the same. <laughs> maybe. Right? Maybe. Who who knows? Um they they had their thoughts. And actually, when I was watching the the documentary, Climate Change, uh, The Facts, one of the, um, mm-hmm. what do you call it? Like, you know, people would send their messages and they would roll across the screen. What do you call that in English? I'm not actually sure what you're talking about. One of the comments. Oh. Like when you're watching a film, there will be comments, comments streaming across. I don't know if that exists in the West. Oh, hmm, okay. Anyhow. I think that might be a uniquely Chinese thing because when I'm on YouTube, I never see... We have a comment streamer in the side, mm. but it doesn't roll on the screen in the way, same way that it does with Chinese. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Here yeah, in do, Chinese, it's called mu. It's like, you know, bullets mm. shooting across the screen horizontally, but you can turn it mm. off because it gets distracting. But sometimes people like to see what other people think uh, are thinking yeah. when they are viewing this. So one of the messages that rolled across it that really caught my attention was someone who said, maybe viruses are... The Earth's immune system, <laughs> you know, it's like when things get uh, terrible for the for the Earth, it doesn't feel that great. It, it would have its own uh, immune system to fight back. Wow. Um, it's like just like how we have fevers to kill, kill off bad but things. But that makes us the virus, baby. Well, it, <laughs> I don't like well, it. <laughs> from the Earth's, who do you think we are from the Earth's perspective? You know, we're not that yeah, I want to be hair. I was hoping we were hair follicles. Uh, well, <laughs> anyhow... So, but, but, uh, you know, when I was watching that comment totally distracted me. It was like, it kind of makes sense because the earth, you know, it needs its balance, right? It wants to survive with or without us. And if we are such a big problem, I mean, who are we in front of the earth? Mm. Right? Just like bigger than ants, I guess. Oh, yeah. 
You're listening to the Bridge. Well, I want to give us hope again, baby. Okay. Instead of instead of hope, and instead of using the analogy that we're, we are uh, pests that need to be removed from the <laughs> uh, earth, I was thinking maybe that's why the earth thinks. So China has managed to increase the amount of forestation. The United States is helping a little bit, and we have India and some other places around the world that are doing their part. Mm. But what we need is like three trillion trees. Now that sounds like a big number. Okay, it is a big number. Yeah. But imagine what what are the how many of us are there? Eight billion. Hmm. So that how many how many trees is that per person? Each one of us needs to plant like I don't know five hundred trees. Is that right? Did I do the math wrong? Five hundred. I don't know. Is it a thousand? Let's say each one of us has to plant five hundred trees, guys. You got your work cut out for you. We could do it. We could, we do, could it. do it. I want to mention. I want to mention a call to action. So there's a there's a vlogger. He's famous on YouTube. He's also famous in China on like Billy Billy Shigua, all these other platforms. His name mm. is Jason Lightfoot, and he recently put out a video where he goes to the Gobi Desert. Uh-huh. And and part of his trip there to stay in a hotel in the desert is he goes and he plants trees. Oh. That's part of his vacation. Like They're like, hey, would you like to plant some trees in the desert? And he's like, mm. okay. Then mm. he goes out and him and his wife plant some trees in the desert. Everyone who comes to stay at this hotel, mm. part of the, the hotel says, hey, would you like to take a trip with us into the desert? And so you have the option mm. of going and planting these trees in the desert where like people go. I even had students, my students from Beijing, mm-hmm. you know, young students where their family got in their vehicles. They drove out to the desert and they spent a few days planting trees. Well, I was just thinking this would be such a great program for spoiled kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Here's a, yeah. Week, a week vacation um, for you in the desert, honey. Okay. And then they get there and it's like, mm-hmm. put on your work uniform. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> for, forget about the sunscreen. No amount of sunscreen will save you. Yeah. The child has to pay. Their family has to pay for their child to go through exactly. this wonderful program. <laughs> but I do. I'm not like making a joke. I think this would be a very good program for kids to, well, you know, do some hard labor for one thing well, you know, and become more educated in uh, learning about the environment. I agree with you, but I want to add to this. I I want to propose a human holiday globally. You know, okay, so we have holidays like Labor Day celebrates the 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 plight of workers. We have national holidays to celebrate our nations coming together individually. Mm. We have uh, different days to celebrate different like, you know, holiday, uh, like uh, agricultural holidays, mid-autumn festival, Chinese New Year. Mm. We have all these big festivals around the world. What we need is an annual tree planting week where where like everyone around the world mm. plant trees for the week. And then imagine if we did that for 10 or 20 years, maybe we could recapture a lot of the carbon that we've put in the atmosphere. Mm, well, we do have a tree planting day. Mm. It's in March here in China. And I remember as a, you know, like a, as an elementary school student, it was like a big deal. You know, every one day in March, we would be, uh, arra- there, there would be trips arranged for us to plant mm, trees. Mm, mm. And every year now in March, you see it in the mm. news too. Um, so yeah, if we extend that for a week, I was doing some calculations. Mm -hmm. So you were saying 500 trees per person, but let's assume that we all live up to a hundred years old. So that's only five trees per year. And, um, I don't think we should all go to the desert to plant plant trees (laughs) because (laughs) that's not the best place traveling. Well, actually, um, Add footprint. Card. Well, now when we have a, if we have electric cars that are charged from solar energy, then maybe not. It'll probably f- take forever to get there. But you know, why don't we just plant <laughs> trees closer to ourselves? Yeah, that okay, could be sure, a, yeah, like good idea. School maybe. activities, right? And and it's not that expensive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that yeah, you know, it, this is entirely possible. I think it is. Yeah, it's not uh, hard to execute. And there yeah. are places good. that are like you know not good for farming, but they are still things can grow there. So if each government finds the land inside of itself that is capable of supporting different kinds of uh, plant life. And then we allow schools and people to go there to plant trees mm-hmm. and make maybe the government subsidizes seeds or something. And we do this globally on, in lots of different countries participate. I, I think we could recapture at least some mm. of the uh, CO2 that we've put Definitely. into the atmosphere. I mean, I yeah. personally don't like competitions. I just don't have that spirit. But I think mm. nations, between nations, we could have some sort of competition <laughs> when it comes to tree planting. So that nation's uh, leaders get some kind of like a war. Well, we'll give you because like you a... Because you know, politicians are very vain people. Oh, well, you know, back in school, we get these, uh, we, we got red flowers, right? We would like, when I was a kid, um, there would be a chart, a huge chart in front of the classroom. Mm. And for good behavior, we would be rewarded with a red flower. Mm. So similar to stickers, mm. I guess, in the Western system, except that it's all put on the same chart. Mm. So you will have, you know, one or few, one of the better students, they will have um, their red flowers would be so tall, like a whole pile. Mm. <laughs> and mine was like, you know, near the bottom. <laughs> we could have that for, you know, world politicians. And it would be a way of judging their uh, performance. These are good ideas. And I think there are mm. already people who are trying to push these initiatives, too. So mm-hmm. we could just find those. Uh, Bebe, I do want to talk about the other half of the equation. That, mm. that is the production of power. So I wanted to talk about five of the largest solar Ooh. power plants in China. So we could just uh, have a better idea of the direction the United States, the European Union, and China are all going Mm. in terms of decarbonizing their energy grid. All right. So China holds some of the largest power capacity in the world. In fact, has more power for solar energy than any other country in the world. Mm. And the, the reason people sometimes contest that is because they hear about the coal. And that is true. But you have to keep in mind that China has five times the population or four times the population of the United States. Mm. So it still has the most amount of wind. It has the most amount of solar. It has the most amount of offshore wind mm. and the most of, amount of hydro of any country in the world. One of these is the, and you're going to have to correct my pronunciation, Huanghe mm. Hydropower Hainan Solar Park. It's perfect. Which produces, yeah, thank you, <laughs> 2.2 gigawatts of electricity. That is actually, a. for those of you who don't know, if that's a lot, mm. that's a lot. Okay. <laughs> so this is one of the largest, uh, no, I think this is the largest solar power plant anywhere on the world with 2.2 gigawatts of electricity produced mm. annually. Sounds like a lot. <laughs> but also... Tunger? I have no idea. Mm. Desert Solar Park, where China mm. has uh, 1.55 gigawatts, which is also a lot. Mm-hmm. And this is called the Great Wall of Solar and covers 1,200 kilometers of the desert. 1,200? Yeah, 1,200 oh, okay. kilometers mm. of desert. Big area. Uh, there's another one, Datong Solar Power Top Runner Base, 1.1 gigawatts. Mm. Yanchi Ningxia Solar Park, 1 gigawatt, which is starting to get into the normal size for some of the places around the world. Mm-hmm. The Longyangxia Dam Solar Park, 850 megawatts. And China's also building solar power for other other nations around the world as well. Pakistan, they have built mm. 100 megawatt uh, solar park that eventually will be one gigawatt of solar energy in a few more years. 
So there are solutions. And by the way, you're really good at pronouncing. Um, are you reading the pinyin version? I have pinyin, but I don't have the tones. So I'm guessing the tones. No, you're, you're, you're really good. Woo-hoo. Yeah. You're talented when it comes to pronouncing Chinese. You can just go off pinyin now. <laughs> you can, <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, you could just be reading Chinese, even though you don't know the characters. <laughs> but anyhow, so I guess we do have the solutions and we are on the right track. I mean, you, you will find very few people debating whether or not there is climate change or whether or not it's happening. Yeah, increasingly it's really now, about yeah. what we can Increasingly do. now, it's not yeah. contested by anyone who's not. You know, mm. I've been thinking about something. Um, <laughs> world population. Um, mm. I don't... So sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like there are too many of us. You know, that's why we keep wanting more <laughs> resources. We keep needing more resources. But then at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, you, you hear of aging societies how you know the negative some countries are like korea experiencing negative birth rate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and it, they tell you it can't go on like this there won't be enough um like you know labor to support the aging population so what is it is, is there like too many of us um but too little or we started with too many but now we have too little to support the too many well because I feel like in general, there are too many. Well, can I weigh in on that a little bit now? Sure. Uh, this is highly contested territory and people are extremely hot headed about it. Mm. So recently, Elon Musk has come out saying, oh, we need to have more people. It's a, you know, civilizational imperative that we make more people than we have now. Well, he's the, doing his part. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, but you're right. But beside that, actually, the, the experts, the demographers, the people who are scientists in this area mm. disagree very strongly with what he's saying. Most professional demographers say that we need the Earth can support two billion people for a long period of time. So like a thousand years. Wait, say that, that again. Can or cannot. Can support. Two billion people mm-hmm. for a very long period of time, for thousand, you know, indefinitely for thousands of years. So we only have five billion extra. Yeah, the, the solution, according huh. to most of these people, is not to you know get rid of people. Kill yeah. us. The solution is to <laughs> what they call zero population growth, which means having we'll just e- die off. Either having two, two, <laughs> or one, or zero children. If every family chooses to have two or one or zero baby, some pu- ba- some families will choose not to have, or they will choose to have one. Right. So the, overall, there will be a slightly slimming of the population over a period of several generations mm. until eventually we can arrive at a more balanced population than what we have but now. That's... The United yeah, well, the United Nations adds that the population is likely to go up to approximately mm. 10 billion before coming back down to about 9 billion by 2150. 2150. So, that's that's not that far yeah, off. Th- that puts us at roughly this almost the same population as we are now, but eventually maybe it could go down slightly. But you know, to answer your question about how do we take care of too many or too, well, too ter- how to take care of the elderly is that mm. right now we're looking at a lot of jobs going away because of automation. So in fact, having new jobs opening up in nursing and elderly care is a can be viewed as a, a positive transition in the service-based mm. part of national economies around the world. So it's not really but a right negative. Right now it's still, still too expensive, but I'm sure, you know, if uh, that they can f- refine the solutions to this problem. Yeah, I don't think like... You know, Japan so far, it's not like the elderly are out on the street wobbling around with no one to take care of them. They were the first to undergo this population uh, inversion. Well, that's why they're working. 
They don't, they can't even rest in senior homes. (laughs) When I went visit, they were, I remember the, like, uh, they're not ushers, but, you know, worker staff at the airport. A lot of them were senior citizens. Mm. Um, They should be home resting. Mm. And also when we, for that cab ride, I think the driver was, you know, at least over 70. A lot of older people still working mm. because otherwise, you know, they, they, they can't afford not to work. I haven't read too much about this, like when it comes to human population, whether too many of us or too few of us. Um, but in China, you hear the news that, you know, they are encouraging people to have mm-hmm. more kids. But that's starting from, like you know, one kid per family. Yeah. Maybe that is too. I mean, I do know people in Beijing um, who have who have three kids. And I know of quite a few. Yeah, families. I do. So there, there I, are some families yeah. who are like putting their back into uh, making more people. And then mm-hmm. there are some families like my wife and I, where we literally we don't have any children. And mm-hmm. your your family has one, one child. I don't have more energy. <laughs> <laughs> but I think most most of us, um, especially if we live in big cities, we're pretty happy with one mm-hmm. because it's, um, it's expensive and it's uh, pretty stressful. It's very exhausting because nowadays raising kids, it's not like my mom's generation, you know? It means different things now. If we're talking about the, the the size of the Earth's population in terms of CO2 emissions, then we have to realize that the United States has claimed that it's going to be carbon neutral by 2050, mm-hmm. and China has the plan to be carbon neutral by 2060, mm-hmm. and I think they'll probably beat that. That's my own opinion, based on their current pace. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think the reality is that we're going to stop adding carbon to the atmosphere in the next few decades as a population. Mm-hmm. And with the United States and Europe and uh, China leading the way and installing solar panel everywhere across their entire economy, Mm. it will make it cheaper for other countries. So say you're Nigeria, for example, Mm. and you want to buy a bunch of solar panels. Well, Mm -hmm. all these other countries have already reduced the price because they've been installing it across their entire grid. Mm. It'll be cheaper. So whatever the population is, high or low, I think that eventually energy will not be negatively impacting CO2 levels Mm -hmm. in a few decades. So it won't really... Hopefully. hopefully. So I don't think we're going to be dealing with that as a problem of, of population so we won't have to worry about that issue related do you to think population. are you interested in talking you know finding more finding out more about demography you know human population sure absolutely uh, the trend and i don't know what um kind of information we'll be able to find but i think that could be an interesting topic sure and our listeners if you know a lot about this if this is your area of specialty you can yeah leave us a comment um, tell us, uh, enlighten us when it comes to this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, is too many of us, too few of us. Shall we have more kids? Shall we have less? Let's add, let's <laughs> add to that to our, our listeners. In addition to leaving your comments and your expert knowledge, if you are an expert in the field of demographics and want to come on the show, mm. add a comment to the show and let us know. And if we feel that you're a suitable candidate, we'll invite you onto the show to talk about it with us. It's actually... Con- it's extremely volatile in my society. What do you mean? Like There was this man, uh, I think he lived more than 100 years ago. His name was Thomas Malthus. He wrote a, a paper called The Principles of Population. Oh, I heard and about he, that book. Yeah. Exactly. So hmm. he he set the stage for saying that there were too many people and that the population by 2015 or so would exceed the resources mm. of our society and that we would reach a population crisis wherein people would start having to we'll kill each other. There'd be war and starvation mm. and all the bad stuff that you read about. And so um, a lot of people took him very seriously. And so there are now sides of this entire argument where some people say we're too populated and some people say we need more people. Mm. And these two political factions uh, debate in our society, in the Western society, have big, large debates all the time. And now we have to figure in the climate change. Let's say 
more ice melts and sea level sea level rises, and there will be less uh, land for people to live in, right, to live on. And then we will all be, I don't know, uh, in closer quarters, <laughs> well, right? Hey, people that got to move somewhere. We've got somewhere. Antarctica. Let's all go there. It's going to be, there's no one, practically no one there now. <laughs> but what about the viruses? <laughs> I was joking. Yeah. Right? The, the, all the ice will melt. Oh, gosh. Well, at least, at least all this doesn't depend on us, you know, to find out the solutions. But it helps for us to pay attention. Right, to do what we oh, can do. Baby, mm. you weren't told you've been put in charge of the committee to fix this, right? Uh, not yet. <laughs> I'm waiting for the message. <laughs> that will not be good news. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Well, I have some more data I wanted to point sure. out because, again, I think China gets a bad rap. And as an American promoting positive relations between the West and China, I feel it's incumbent upon me mm. to point out how China is doing well. Mm. So I found some data. This is from Bloomberg, and mm. it says global investment and energy transition by country 2021. And in terms of all forms of renewable energy, uh, China has invested more than $250 billion wow. in this one year in just 20 it's way yeah. it's du- it's more than double what the united states invested in the same year mm. and it's more than five times what germany has invested again we have to we do have to keep in mind that china is a, has a much larger population right and so right. it does need to make larger investments in order to keep more and more smaller townships coming onto the electric grid mm-hmm. and offsetting its carbon at the same time right but it is positive china is doing a lot to address the issue during its transition to becoming an advanced economy. Yeah, it's really, we've really recognized the problem and we've been finding solutions to to battle it. Um, that's amazing. That's a lot of money. And also uh, electrified transport investment by country. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you can read it. You're better at charts. Well, no, I mean, I, I want to put this one in context. So electrified transport investment by country. China is in the lead by far more than double any other country. What's really interesting about this mm-hmm. is that as long as China keeps upping its wind, offshore, solar and other hydro and other renewable energies, including nuclear. I'm sorry, nuclear gets a bad rap, but it doesn't add CO2 to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So um, as long as China is... Is doing that and it is the because China has the high speed rail network that it has mm. almost 40,000 kilometers of high speed rail in uh, China. That means that this electrified transport is positive because those ri- if we're fueling the high speed rail with solar and hydro energy, mm-hmm. then we're not adding carbon. When I when I travel from Wuhan mm. to Beijing, mm. is that the case now? Well, increasingly more and more of China's energy is made by renewable, mm. but there is still some of that coming from uh, sources that do add carbon to the atmosphere. Yes. Okay. Well, I guess we have long distance to go at, if that's how you put it. Still a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of data here. That's one of the things I do online. I go online and I spread positive information about how China is changing its electric grid, actually. It's one of my hobbies Mm. is to share this information with other people. And there's um, this chart about compare similar items. How do we read this? I'm not very good at charts. Oh, okay. So this is just for FYI, because a lot of people think that natural gas does not emit CO2 into the atmosphere. And the reason I include this chart, uh, Mm. which comes from... CO2everything.com. Everything.com. Yeah, so it, it, yes, it shows that coal 
emits the highest amount of CO2 into the atmosphere, but it also shows that natural gas emits about two thirds as much. So natural gas, which is used in the United States and Europe a lot and in China, mm. does in China. add CO2 to the atmosphere. So these two mm. are the largest sources of CO2 being added to the atmosphere from energy production. And then obviously it goes way down when it goes to solar, almost nothing. Mm. And geothermal, almost nothing. Hydro, almost nothing. Nuclear energy, less than that. And the least wind energy, wind energy wins. Mm. And also, just so that we understand this better, for coal energy, it says one day of coal power in an average house is equivalent to 25 kilogram of CO2. Mm. There's mm. an E at the end. Yeah. That's energy, or I don't know what that's that for. And that's equivalent to 125 kilometers of driving. Wow. So that's just one day of coal power. Wow. But if it's natural gas, let's say it's a little less. One day of natural gas power in an average house is equivalent to 15 kilogram of CO2 or 75 kilometer of driving. And then down the list of solar energy and it goes down one day of solar power in an average household is equivalent to 1.44 mm. kilogram CO2 or 7.3 kilometers of driving. Wow. So it's 125 kilometers of driving for coal, 75 kilometers of driving for natural gas, and then like 7.3 yeah. for driving. And then thermal energy, that's like 5.8 kilometers of driving. And if you go down to wind energy, that's like 1.8 kilometers of driving. It makes a huge difference. The chart really stands out when you yeah. look at it. Coal mm. and uh, gas, natural gas, jump out as the big culprits. Mm. But, you know, this is just from energy production. This does not include things like the meat industry, oh. which is its own whole issue. And we don't have time because we are out of time. Mm. Please join us next time on The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. Thank you so much for your time, baby. And thank you, Jason, for letting us know okay. all these numbers and to wake us up and to face, you know, find better solutions sooner. <laughs> Thank you guys, and we will see you next time on The Bridge. Bye!